How am I doing? How are you doing? Answer, check in with yourself. How are you doing? And back to me. How am I doing? Well, came into work today, looked at the old dry erase board behind me, and saw the word testicles written. Let me explain. When I give a test, sometimes I have students that miss the test. So I write on the board, test makeups, with their names underneath, so they come in during my office hours. Now, the word test, T-E-S-T, was on the board. And I thought, nothing of it. But this morning I came into work and I looked at the board and it said T-E-S-T in my handwriting. And then in someone's poor handwriting, they added I-C-L-E-S. And I was incensed. I was pissed. I said, I'm going to hunt this kid down. And I'm going to get them into some trouble. I'm going to investigate this crime, turning my word test into testicles. And I'm going to make sure this kid pays. Not kidding. I was actually upset for a moment. And I realized, wait, did I just teach the whole day yesterday with the word testicles behind me? And nobody said anything? Is that the type of crew I'm working with this year? And after about 15 minutes this morning of getting a little upset and going, that is unacceptable. Then I started to realize, wait, wait, we can't take everything so seriously. I mean, this institution called a public school, we take a lot of things seriously. We're trying to build some good people, some scholars, some academic minds and point them in the right direction. But if one kid has a sense of humor and he's like, you know what? I'm going to mess with Rosenberg today then I realized 15-year-old me would have really appreciated that. So 38-year-old me has got to find it in my heart, into my jaded, bitter old heart, to say, well done. Slow clap. I applaud you, testicles student, who found the courage to add the I-C-L-E-S. I just wonder how many students saw that behind me and just slowly nodded like, yep, that's exactly right. That's just fine. Nothing to report here. No one wants to be a tattletale. I guess I can respect that as well. I still want to find the kid though. I don't know how I go on this hunt, but I'd like to find the kid. And at first scare them and say, we have a three-day suspension lined up for you. You do not write private parts on my board. You got me? And then slowly say, I'm just kidding. Actually, that was pretty well done. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's episode 73. Take your earbuds out, cell phones down. Earbuds out, cell phones down. Okay, cell phones packed away. Earbuds out, hoods off. That's how I start every class. You, you don't get right to the teaching. The modern-day teacher with the modern-day classroom. And earbuds out. You didn't hear the bell? Okay, earbuds out. Yeah, hoods off. Okay, good. And phones away. Thank you. Okay. Every single fucking class. Hey, it's the world we live in, everybody. If you're listening right now, let me ask you, are you sick? Common cold? Flu-like symptoms? What do you have? You have something, right? You have something. Or are you really in peak condition right now? Optimal health, anybody? Who's in optimal health? If you're listening right now and you're like, you know what? I've got a great night's sleep. I'm getting enough fitness. I'm eating a really nutritious diet. Hitting on all cylinders, 
then I'd not only applaud you, but I guess I envy you, because our house is sick. I mean, we're just passing it around. We're just rotating who's going to be sick in the spotlight this week, who's going to take the relay race baton into the world of germs, germs, germs. It's like the desert storm infirmary around here. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but I'll start with my daughter. A few weeks ago, daycare? Daycare? It's amazing there's any healthy days in this cesspool. Just 22-year-olds running around full speed, drool snot, drool snot, and a little bit of barf, playing and playing and playing, and playing and playing and snotting and drooling and barfing. Okay, hopefully not a lot of barfing. That just sounds... (laughs) <laughs> sounds like a little much. So our daycare is actually called Germ Store. They just get right to it. They don't even try to hide it. Germ Store. They don't even go for a cute little daycare name, but we send our girl to the Germ Store. And it's cute. Mondays, they do Ants on a Log and Pink Eye. Tuesdays, I believe they do Graham Crackers and Bumped Her Head into a Door. So we got a bruise. Wednesdays is really sweet. They do goldfish crackers and flu-like symptoms. I always appreciate that, coming home with that. Thursdays are interesting. Thursdays are really nice because what they're doing is popsicles for the kids and biting. Yeah, bite marks. Yeah, biting. I guess we just get used to that. And Fridays, oh my God. We really, really appreciate Fridays at the Germ Store Daycare. Really wonderful as they do the morning knee scraping. And I love how they choreograph that perfectly with all the kids. Morning knee scrapes, okay. Into a little PB&J for lunch. A little bit of a nap. And then right before they send them home for the weekend, I believe they do their best to make sure a bunch of mud gets on her shirt. Paint, mud, dirt, and a bee sting. And I come in every day and say, thank you. And I mean it. See, that part's not bullshit. I actually mean it. I feel so much gratitude to these humans that work at daycares. Who are these angels sent from above that work with a bunch of little kids? These little kids who don't know any better coming home with their owies. So Milo was first, spreads it to mom. My wife, for what, three, four, five weeks, has just had the most aggressive cough I think I've ever heard on a person starts in her loins, rises up through her stomach, rips through the esophagus, up the throat, like fireballs. It just sounds painful. Every cough. It's one of those coughs where you just picture blood flying into the wall. The volcano erupts. Have some tea with honey and lemon. It's one of those coughs where you want to duck behind furniture to get out of the way. Truly felt bad seeing my wife with one of these coughs, like fireballs. Really, like Mario and Luigi with their fireballs. Clearly, that's when I peaked as a video gamer, as a gamester. Super Mario Brothers won. Fireballs. The hell was that, by the way? Really picture it in your mind. What was going on? They were two Italian dwarfs, and they were always on a brick road to start the game, just trying to jump over moving mushrooms and like moving helmet guys. And then they would jump and hit some money, bling, bling. And this is how they would 
gain an income and they would just try to get to the end. But what was the end? You get to have a princess. Sometimes you would hit a star and that would make you invincible. You just run through everything. Nothing would attack you anymore. Ding, 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 Whoever composed the music for Mario was kind of brilliant. Because I'll never forget that. I'll be 80 years old and I'll remember when you go down deep into the dungeon room. And then just collect coins. Bling, 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 bling. And then jump, jump, jump till you hit a brick full of coins. Bing, 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 bing. And you're watching your coin total get to as high as it'll get. And then occasionally you hit a brick that's a one-up. Then you go for a mushroom because you want to grow. And then if you hit it again, what, if you get a mushroom again, then it's fireballs? Fireballs like the cough. How did I get on this? But let's keep going. Do you remember the water level in Mario 1 where all of a sudden it was symphony music? And Mario had like a fin. Uh, am I imagining all of this? Then there was an ice level where it was all slippery. And of course, as you progress through any warp zone, it gets tougher. There's just occasional bullets flying at you as you have to leap from platform to platform. Still getting money. Bling, bling, bling. And an occasional star. Going down to the dungeon. And then how do you end the level? You walk up a brick staircase and then you try to jump onto a flagpole as high as you could jump and then just slam down to the ground. How many concussions would there be? How many, how many deaths would there be within the first moment of the game? If you ever went into this world where you were just jumping over moving mushrooms and bullet heads and there was no ground below you at times, so you do, 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 do. What's the sound when you die? Whoop! Do, 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 when you run out of lives. Okay, so she had the cough. I think she's finally getting over that. And I was feeling good. I was like, wow, not catching it yet. Not catching it yet. It's already November. I'm not catching it yet. I was feeling good. I didn't even get a flu shot. The ball's on this guy. I should get a flu shot. I still should. But I was thinking maybe it's my oil of oregano because that's the tip I want to share with you right now. It's not even an endorsement. How do I know that? Because I have zero endorsements. Although I'm talking to the people at Olive Loaf. Tiny specks of green olive in bologna. You don't even see that at delis anymore. So right now, go to oliveloaf.org slash here we go and get 10% off of your next shipment. So in all honesty, I never even had symptoms until this past Saturday. I went on a run and it was a cold morning. I mean, you know, Bay Area cold, not like real cold, like how they're living in Minnesota or Fargo right now. Don't you know? But, you know, Bay Area cold. So I'm running into the fog and I come home and as I'm taking my shoes off, I realize I can't move straight Tin Man status. Every muscle in my body decided to ache in that moment. And it happened so rapidly. Usually you wake up feeling sick. It's weird to be conscious and go from healthy state and then it just hits you while you're awake. I don't ever remember this happening. But then it's boop, nausea. Hold on. And the other side, slippery stomach, go sit on a toilet. And I'm thinking, the weekend's done. It was a three-day weekend, had Veterans Day off, and I just knew at that point, the weekend's done. There's no more fun. I just now have to be near a toilet for three straight days. Lava. Hit me hard. Stomach flu, whatever you want to call it. I caught it. 
And I caught it bad, like really bad to the point where I started to pray, acting like God was right there in the bathroom with me. I said, it has to end putting my hands together. No joke. Just sweating it out. Looking at myself in the mirror with my hands together, praying, end it, end it now. I have a wife and kid I haven't seen in three days. End it now. And I couldn't, couldn't even sleep in the room. What happened to the inside of my stomach this past weekend is probably not safe to talk about on a podcast. If I released this podcast and it was an album from the 90s, it would say parental advisory explicit lyrics. You know that logo in the corner. I really shouldn't even talk about it. But it was the sudden hitter. And then it went away. I think, what, Monday morning. And now I'm back, baby. And I can appreciate health again. Isn't that what sickness is? It's to remind you to appreciate when you do feel good. Aren't we looking for morals on this show? Oh, and by the way, I was good at Mario. I wasn't good at anything else. Super Nintendo, not good at any of it. Sega Genesis, nope. Turbo Graphics, uh-uh. Dreamcast, no thanks. Xbox, never advanced. Never continued doing anything. Any arcade game, I'm terrible. But Mario, are you kidding me? I was world class. I was like Fred Savage in The Wizard. I mean, I was putting on a clinic. I could play it upside down. I was playing it during the 1989 earthquake. I could have sold out arenas back in 1989 playing Mario. It was a simpler time, folks. A simpler time indeed. Real quick on the topic of, is this good parenting or bad parenting? And I guess probably not great parenting. Uh, My daughter, just like most kids, mispronounces things so badly. Actually, she just has different words for things. So she's almost created her own language based on the language she hears. And I don't really correct her. I suppose I should. I suppose... I should have so many teachable moments throughout the day. But I think I love it. It's the whole processing of a toddler. Like soon she'll pronounce words correctly, but the ones that she just truly mangles are the best. For instance, the word dinosaur. I can say it perfectly. Dinosaur. She hears it and she says, for some reason, she says, Tsitsi Roar. This is the cute portion of the podcast where you go, aww. Or you go fast forward, but she goes tsitsi roar. And I wondered, what if, what if we never taught her? She just became a 10, 15, 20, 25 year old who thought paleontologists uh, work with understanding tsitsi roars. If I say bunny, she hears Mimi for some reason. I don't know why. That's really far off, right? Bunny rabbit, Mimi. I don't correct her. I like it. Are you supposed to? When are you supposed to? Probably right now. I could probably read a manual on parenting and it says correct their language mistakes. But language is amazing. Isn't it amazing all these sounds we make out of our mouths? And you understand them? I mean, if you speak English, you're understanding me right now? I googled this. There are over 6,000 languages. What? Everybody just using sounds? But there's so many different ones? Like you take any word desk. So many different ways to say desk. This is an obvious point I'm making, right? And I could look deeply into etymology, the study of language, which does interest me a little bit, but not knowing anything about it for a moment. You know, before I do, let's say, research it a little bit, it's kind of fun just thinking about the origin of language. 
how words built upon words built upon words. At first, you know, the earliest Homo sapiens had to identify things like, I am hungry. We are in danger. I'm tired. Let's go to sleep. And probably other things like, I've got the runs or I'm horny. You know, these are things that were articulated in the first form of words, like real, true, primal desires and needs. And now we have words like cataclysmic, vicissitudes. Like we're always just building more words for our moods and emotions, epidemics, phenomenons, and we're never going to end. There's more words being created this week and next week and in the future. I can now say the word Google something. A lot of our tech has created new words and there's new slang, there's new profanity, there's new exclamation words. I think it's pretty amazing. And then it just becomes common nomenclature. Can I use the word nomenclature right now? Doesn't John Goodman say that in The Big Lebowski at some point? Vernacular. The point is, as I watch my daughter now, she is going to learn all the words eventually. She's going to pronounce them well, and we'll forget that she called dinosaurs tsetse roars. Maybe that's why I'm doing this podcast in the first place, so I can remember and document certain things about my life. But I'm going to take this as far as I can go. My wife, you know, my wife will organize the true teachable moments. But there's going to be a few things where I just kind of go, all right, let's see how far we could take this nonsense. Like if I met somebody today and I was like, hi, I'm Josh. And they were like, I'm Walter. And I said, Clarence. They went, Walter. And I said, um, Clarence. I'm hearing Clarence. Like in Step Brothers. Pan, Pam, Pam. I'm, I'm hearing Pan. No, Pam. I think I can help with this Pan, Pam dilemma. That's my daughter. Certain words she just hears. And then they come out of her mouth. Totally destroyed and different. And I'm going to miss it. It'll end one day. Soon she'll say dinosaur and I'll go, damn, 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 damn. I mean, I guess I'll be proud of her, but I'll miss this. And if you're done fast forwarding, we're done with the cuteness parenting portion of the podcast. And now onto something very serious. And of course, I'm talking about foods that are a little embarrassing that maybe you didn't know were embarrassing to eat. Like for a moment, I need you to really ask yourself, is string cheese for adults or kids? And don't just say both. And if it's for kids, then I get it. Fine. I mean, I'm going to eat string cheese for the rest of my life. It is perhaps the smallest packaged portion of anything out there that, of course, doesn't satisfy anybody, even a two-year-old. Whoever had one string cheese and said, I'm satisfied, the answer is nobody. And I'm not exaggerating right now. I could eat 19 string cheeses easily, easily. Why are they even packaged that way? There's something addictive in a string cheese. Most of the things, the way they're packaged, the way the portions are out there, I'm fine with. Most of the things, like microwavable popcorn, that's the perfect size. One bag. Split it with another person or just inhale it yourself. That's a good snack. When Brian Regan, the comedian, says he eats Fig Newtons by the sleeve, and then you look on the package and it tells you what a serving size is, forget the serving size. If it's not packaged itself, you're allowed to inhale it as much as you want. But there's something about eating two or three straight string cheeses that you do feel guilty because they're all vacuum packed. And you don't want to just sit in your kitchen eating a block of cheese. Does anybody do that, by the way? Does anybody just buy a block of cheese and then in the dark in their underwear while everyone's asleep, just start eating it like a rat? Just me? Okay, moving on. How about cottage cheese? Cottage cheese is a part of my life, but I realized it's not cool. It would be cool if I said, you know, I'm really into brie or gruyere, Havarti. But cottage? Cottage makes me sound like a fool, right? Yeah, you'd eat a lot of cottage cheese. Yeah, I enjoy cottage cheese. 
you know, Knudsen, or is it Knudsen, or is that a soft K? Knudsen, the pink brand in the grocery store, they make these little, little small packs, these little small packs, like little yogurt packs. And I buy those, but I realize I don't want to eat them in front of my students at the risk that they're going to clown me. Hey, look at Rosenberg with the cottage cheese. And I didn't even know that it was dorky to eat cottage cheese or even considered something more of like an old man snack until my buddy Ari bought me groceries. I'm going to explain that for a moment. When my daughter was born, a newborn baby means people want to help you out. At least good people help you out. They know you can't do anything. You can't even find time for a shower, especially the women can't find time to do anything. So that's when people say, can I bring you food or could I do your dishes or could I do nice things? So my friend Ari, who's just a nice guy, he said, how about I swing by? You don't even have to hang out with me, but I just bring you a bunch of groceries. And I was like, you're too nice. And he's like, legitimately, I will bring you groceries. So he took down my list. And everybody has their thing. You ever ask somebody what exactly they shop for? It says a lot about their personality. So I was like, well, we like chips and salsa, organic frosted flakes and milk, bananas, peaches, apples, get some ground beef. We could either make sliders or chili, get some ground turkey. We could either make sliders or chili, get some noodles. And I, I, really, I really went to town. Like I wasn't just like, yeah, maybe just bring a couple things. I was like, all right. If you're doing me this favor, then here we go. And the last thing I said was, oh, oh yeah, and some cottage cheese. And he said, whoa, all right, grandma. I was like, grandma, what? Honestly, not to be naive, but I never knew that cottage cheese had such negative connotations. We're running out of cottage cheese eaters. And when he brought over the groceries, he called me grandma again. When he handed me the low fat, small curd, And from that moment on, I now eat it in private. If I have guests over, I won't eat it in front of you. You don't need to see that. I'm still trying to maintain my coolness. In front of students, I'll eat an apple. That's cool, right? I'll eat a granola bar. That's fine. I mean, not eat while I talk, but you know what? I'll eat it in the classroom if they're working on something. Cottage cheese with a spoon, though? No, that's all done. This is truly just a very long way of thanking Ari two years later. Very thankful. That's the best thing you could do for somebody, by the way. Anybody that just had a kid, you could buy them a little onesie, you could buy them diapers, everything's nice, everything's nice, but groceries, are you kidding me? You really want to leave an indelible image in someone's mind, buy them groceries. Hits you right in the heart. It's almost like back in the day, if you were to pay the toll of somebody behind you on the bridge, you can't do that anymore, it's all fast track. There's a lot of things that machines have replaced, charming things that we just are not going to have in society anymore, but... Has that ever happened to you? On the Golden Gate Bridge or any bridge, somebody in front of you pays your toll, and then the person working in there, toll booth Willie, goes, you're, you're fine. You keep going, that person in front of you paid your toll. It's like, wow, man. It's one of the nicest things you could do. That's up there with groceries. All right, there's something that's happening in the movie world that I love. And it's now something I want to call the Adam McKay style. Of movies. Adam McKay, yes, he did Anchorman. Yes, he's a comic writer. Yes, he was the lead writer at SNL during the Will Ferrell days. Do I want to say genius? Yeah, I do. So if you saw the movie The Big Short, that's him. And if you saw the movie about Dick Cheney, what was it called? Dick? No, I don't think he named his movie Dick. The one with Christian Bale playing Dick Cheney, which was phenomenal. He should have won Best Actor. It was called Chain Dick Vice. It was called Vice. 
If you haven't seen Vice, you should see it. So the Adam McKay style of movie making is to assume your audience is kind of dumb and needs you to stop the movie occasionally and just start teaching. And I like it because I've admitted to having a very low movie IQ. And if it's a complicated plot, if I'm not with somebody a little bit smarter than me, I'm lost. So the big short, we're talking about the stock market. We're talking about Wall Street. We're talking about the meltdown of 2008. So occasionally throughout that movie, do you remember? It just breaks out into information being told to you from a woman in a bathtub, I think. And then in Vice, you got to watch Vice if you haven't seen it. That's my number one recommendation. Trust me. Just trust me on this one. It teaches you so much about the political scene, the inner workings of the executive cabinet, the White House, the Bush administration. It was just so good. But there are times where you're like, wait, am I going to be lost? Nope. They explain it. And now I just saw the laundromat. And I don't even think that's Adam McKay. I'm pretty sure it's not. But the whole movie is about how wealthy people keep their money in overseas banks so it doesn't get taxed. And it's like a legal loophole, but it's pretty corrupt. And this movie is on Netflix right now streaming. It's amazing. You don't just have to go to the theater anymore to see a brand new release, Oscar-worthy performance. Meryl Streep, are you kidding me? Who dominates the silver screen like that? Who? You don't have an answer. There's nobody better than Meryl. But this movie is so informative and entertaining. It's like four different plot lines going on at once, but it's ultimately discussing how rich people are able to manipulate the entire system. It's about capitalism. It's about campaign reform. It's about wealth. It's about scandal. So I recommend watching this movie called The Laundromat. But every 20 minutes, Antonio Banderas just starts explaining something right to you, the viewer. They look right in the camera and they talk to you because they assume that you might be a little lost. I love it. I only want to watch Adam McKay movies from now on. It makes me feel smart. When I'm done with it, I'm like, yep, that was informative, educational, and entertaining. That is the perfect trifecta for a movie watching experience. You ever watch a whole movie and you don't know what happened? 13 Monkeys? What was it called? 12 Monkeys. Didn't have a clue. Inception? No clue. Even Fight Club the first time. I didn't know that Tyler Durden was the same person, even as the credits are rolling. Had no clue. What are other movies that you're just totally fucking confused by and you go, why? Why did I just invest two hours in that? And then when it's done, you got to talk to somebody or Google. I don't like that feeling. I don't like that. I like to know what's going on. I'll never read a book that's complicated. I know that's an indictment on me challenging myself. But really, books are supposed to be fun, enjoyable, not just, I spent the last 200 pages not understanding anything. Help me out. There's one thing that has to end, though, in all movies, and that is when they have something shocking happen, like, whoa, and then after a few minutes watching the scene develop, somebody wakes up in a bed, <gasps> and you go, what? All a dream? What a waste of my time. What kind of filler is that? screenwriters are still doing it was all a dream moments so the plot just kind of delves into something weird and it's stunning and it captures you and you're like whoa this movie's heating up oh my god that happened that happened that happened <gasps> someone just woke up out of a bed it was all a dream that is the laziest dumbest most tired unoriginal screenwriting it was all a dream and now you'll notice how often that happens in movies i'm noticing that a lot like I get suckered in. I go, oh, whoa, this is good. Nope. Nope. Just crazy dreams. Speaking of. Speaking of. 
I've had the craziest dreams of my life over the last two weeks. Maybe it's all the sickness in this house. Isn't that true? When you get sick, it gets a little weird during the R-E-M stage. Similar motifs, though. You ever gotten shot in a dream? A lot of people have. It's weird. My wife said she died in her dream for the first time. How sad is that? And then you celebrate waking up. You know those dreams where you wake up and you can't be more appreciative? Here's the nicest thing I could ever say about my wife. I have had recurring dreams where I know her. I know her. I know she exists and I like her, but I'm marrying somebody else who I don't connect with at all. Physically, like some of the women I've married in my dreams are like six foot five. Like we're not physical matches at all. And they smell. Seriously, I've had this dream at least four or five times where I'm engaged to somebody I don't want to be engaged to. But I know my wife exists in the world as she is. And I'm like, why can't I be with her? Like, it doesn't make sense. Why am I marrying this giant woman who clearly doesn't like me from a foreign country? They're always foreigners who smell. And I'm like, this might not work. And then I wake up and I look across the bed. And I go, oh, good, good, good. We did get married. That's the ultimate compliment. Should I end with that? Yeah, I'll probably end with that. And also I recorded my daughter contributing to the podcast for the first time. So I'll take you out with that. Also ask you to leave a rating, leave a review on iTunes. Check me out on Twitter. I'll check you out on Twitter. We'll be Twitter friends at jrosenberg957. The book Suddenly Facing Reality is available at Amazon. You could leave a review on that. Or you could just stop listening to this podcast and not do any of that. And we're still good friends because I love you. You made it this far through episode 73. I appreciate it. So episode 73, you know where it's going. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon.